So bod for God. We're getting excited, and somebody in here was excited. I was so happy to hear that, that we are starting this series called Bod for God. Now, you know, uh, I, I went and I found my Fitbit. It was stuck away in a drawer someplace, right? Anybody got one of these in a drawer? So I'm getting ready. I went to work out at the gym this week, so I could say to you, I went to work out at the gym today, or this week. I actually went for a bike ride this morning before church, just so I could say that, because you know, already it's affecting me. Because I know I have to stand up here and preach it. I better live it, right? So we're excited. But there's no one that's more excited than Nick Price, Pastor Nick Price. And he made a little video that I'd like to show you to show you just how into Bod for God he is. Watch this. that. That's pretty good, isn't it? So you may not be quite as excited about it as Nick is, and I'm pretty excited about it, but it is a very, very important topic that we want to deal with today, because here's what we know, and and, and this is what we want to communicate today. There's a connection that we don't often talk about between physical and spiritual, between physical and spiritual, and we want to unpack that today as we begin. Let's pray together. Father, thank you Thank you for a chance to hear your word, to know the truth. Show us today that that our bodies matter to you. And what we do with our bodies matter to you. And, And give us a fresh encounter of your love and grace so that we will know of your great love that is the motivator for us to take care of ourselves, that we might live for you, that we might look, live, and love like Jesus. Be with us today. Father, be our teacher, your spirit in this place. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we know something from Scripture. We know that everybody matters to God, right? We know that. For God so loved the world. Everybody. And it doesn't make, make any difference what shape your life is in or your body. He loves us all the same. He sent His Son for us, to die for us, so that we could have a relationship with Him. Everybody matters to God. And uh, I love this passage from Timothy, which shows God's heart. He says, look, God desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. He desires it, all right? But not everybody will come to that truth. Not everybody will understand that truth. But how does he, how does he, how does he communicate that truth to the world? That Jesus is there for people, that he died on the cross. How does, what instrument has he chosen to use? The body of Christ, which is made up of us and our bodies. You see, that's the instrument that he's, he's said is the way 
that that truth can be communicated to the world. So what you see in Scripture is you see this ongoing discussion about how we should treat our bodies because they're important, because our bodies are used by God. They are part of the mission that he has to communicate truth. Look at this, uh, this next statement. says it very clearly. It says, every body matters to God. And we see it in Scripture. Here, this verse in Thessalonians says it very well. It says, look, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Now, what does sanctify mean? Does anybody know? It means to make holy, to set apart. And what he's saying in this passage is that we are to be set apart for his purposes, for God's mission, for his purpose. I mean, once we receive the truth, once we come to the knowledge of truth, then the next thing is like we're going to participate in communicating that to the world. And he wants to sanctify us. He wants to set us apart. And he doesn't just set apart our, our brains. You know, not, it's not Christianity from the chin up. It's all body Christianity. Look what he says. He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to sanctify all of us for use in his mission. That discussion continues many, many different places in Scripture. But let me just stop there before I go on to a couple more examples. Because I don't want anybody to be confused about this. None of what we're talking about in terms of being used by God on mission has anything to do with his love for us. He, everybody matters for God, to God. He loves us and saves us. We're not on a performance system with God. Okay, So we don't want to be shamed by any of this discussion. It's a difficult one to talk about. But God loves us just as we are. He just loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us there. And this discussion goes on and on and on in Scripture. And uh, you look at uh, Paul writing again. He says, be holy in body and spirit. Be holy in body and spirit. Why? So that you can be effective on mission as you look, live, and love like Jesus. Paul also warns us. He says, look in Romans 6, 12. He says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make, it, make you obey its passions. See, what happens when we obey the wrong passions, s- sinful passions in life? It diminishes our witness and testimony to the world. It diminishes our capacity to communicate the truth of God's love to the world. And what Paul is saying is, look, you need to be concerned about what's going on in your body. You need to be able to discipline that. You rein it in to to restrain it so that that doesn't happen. And, and for, for a long time, I think Christians have said, well, that's always that's a process of just the mind, the mind at work. You know, that's, that's, that's what we have to do. We have to change our thinking, and that is true. It's absolutely true. We have to know the truth because the truth will set us free. But it takes some practice to apply the truth in our bodies. I've been reading this, this book called Everybody Matters, and it's about this connection between spiritual and physical. And the author writes this. For most of our lives, we have emphasized growing our souls not always realizing that a lack of physical discipline can undercut and even erode spiritual growth. You see, when we let our passions run unrestrained, it takes us away from God, not towards Him. It keeps us from witnessing because we don't have capacity to witness because we're either sick or we're addicted or whatever would get in the way, whatever passion would get in the way. It can destroy us. And it can destroy our witness. And we've seen countless examples of high-profile Christians that fall into that problem. 
They lose their ministry, their capacity to communicate God's truth because they've let their, their passions run unrestrained. And so what the author is saying is, look, there's a, there's a physical side of this that we need to investigate, we need to, to, we need to be aware of. Now, usually when we start talking about physical stuff, you know, the first thing that comes up is, you know, the subject of sex, right? So we're not going to talk about sex this morning. And, and some of you are going, phew, I'm glad of that. <laughs> we're going to talk about, we're going to be talking about food and exercise. And now some of you are going, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe we could talk about sex. About that. <laughs> right. but, but it's a difficult conversation. It's not easy for us. It's not easy for us to have this discussion, our relationship with food is complex. Take us back to the garden. Here's Eve in the garden. And she tells Satan, she says, look, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. How many trees were there in their garden? We don't know, but there were plenty. God meant food to be good. And he provided good food for them to eat. They had plenty of food. They didn't need the tree that Satan tempted them with. And, you know, yet he did. He said, look, God's holding out on you. You not only need what God has already given you, but he's holding out on you. You need to eat of this tree. And while we often think of it just in terms of, you know, wanting to be like God, there was a food aspect of this. Look at what what Eve said when she was tempted. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food. She didn't say, oh, boy, I'm going to be like God. She said, this looks like it's going to be great to eat. It was a delight to the eye. I mean, have you ever had that happen? You know you shouldn't eat something, and you look at that ice cream on top of the chocolate cake with the whipped cream and the drizzled chocolate syrup and the cherry on top, and you say, that looks like good food to me. I've been there. I know what you, I know. I mean, ice cream is an addiction for me. I have to be very careful around a carton of ice cream. Now, you know, why did Satan choose food? You know, you, you think about it. Well, first of all, Satan is an angel. Angels have no body, so he had to, he had to use a snake. He had to uh, basically go into the snake. He had to possess the snake to work. No arms, right, on his body, so he's pretty powerless. Big mouth. This is Satan. Remember that, by the way. Very little power. Big mouth. He deceives us through his words. You know, and why did he choose food? Well, you know, we get hungry every two to three hours. You know, so Satan was figuring, well, again, I got ch- to choose something that comes along at a regular time. You know, if this doesn't work at breakfast, it'll work at lunch. Maybe snack time in between. And so he used food, and now we have this complex relationship with food where we are tempted to not always eat what we should, what God has designated as life-giving food, we choose to eat other things that have a negative impact on our bodies. And it gives a whole other understanding of the concept of Satan's roaring around like a lion and he's, he's going to kill, steal, and destroy. That's how he's doing it. He's taken our lives literally because of what we eat. This is the American brain on the food that we eat. Standard American diet called SAD for a reason. Standard American diet. My favorite, of course, is the ice cream. And then the cake. Or maybe it's the cookies. I can't decide. But uh, cheeseburger's not bad and fries go pre it. Oh, boy, I'm beginning to get hungry just thinking about it. How about you? This is the standard American diet. 
These are the things that have been made available for us that we look at and say, it's food, it's pleasant to the eyes, it's good for food, it's just, oh, so attractive, and we eat it, and here's what happens. We now have a third of America that has chronic disease as a result of diet. The number one killer is heart disease, and it is a lifestyle-based disease. People die because of their clogged arteries because of diet and lack of exercise. Uh, it costs us, that and stroke costs us a billion dollars a day. Think of it, $365 billion. How much health care could we provide if we could cut back on that number a little bit? It's interesting because half of all Americans have at least one risk factor for heart disease. And one of the biggest risk factors, of course, is our body mass. One-third, one-third of adults have a body mass that's greater than 30. Supposed to be 25, no more than 25. And so there are all kinds of implications to this food that's placed in front of us. And not only are overeating and eating the wrong things and, and not exercising, all kinds of health implications. And what is Satan doing? He's saying, I'm winning because I'm shortening your life and your mission and your purpose. And I'm doing it all the while, and you're thinking you're having a great time eating this food. A difficult discussion, but here's what we need to realize is we're in control here. Remember, Satan has no arms. He can't throw us down and stuff this stuff into our mouths. Couldn't do that to Eve. He can't do it to us. We have choices. We can choose lifestyle. Our behavior even affects our genetics. The other factors are also affected by our own choices, our social context, where we live, and so forth. Um, Healthcare is only 10% responsible for our health. Imagine that now in our current debate in this nation. Only 10% of our health is determined by the access to healthcare. And yet that is the primary concern. How much discussion have you heard about what we're talking about this morning in the national debate? You don't. And 5% come because of environment. 5% of the outcome, our health outcomes, because of the environment. We have a choice. We have a a way to fight back. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We can do that. And especially when we realize we're doing it for a purpose. And the purpose isn't to fit inside of a certain size of jeans or to be, you know, the beach body guy. That's not the purpose at all. It's about being fit for God's service. And the amazing thing happens is when we begin to discipline our bodies, we find that we can discipline ourselves to get up and do a devotion or to serve in a capacity that we never thought we could. It has an impact on our ability to live out the Christian life in a focused manner. It's an important topic. So over this series, we're going to be, we're going to be looking at health by the numbers. And and we're going to encourage you to know your numbers. Do you know your numbers? There are a lot of ideas about what's healthy and not, but this is really, when you boil it down, this is what the doctors will look at. They're going to look at your numbers. They're going to look at your blood pressure and cholesterol, triglycerides, blood sugar, body mass index, and waist measurement. And so, you know, we don't We don't want to say to to you, do this in terms of a health regime. We want you to say, look at your numbers and make sure you know what they are and respond appropriately to make a change with those numbers. 
You know, you might look at me and say, well, wait, you don't have any problems overeating, Dan. You're a skinny guy. I've been a skinny guy all my life. I used to look at those ads in the back of uh, Popular Mechanics for the Charles Atlas Muscle Building Program, you know? I used to think, I ought to order that. I'm a skinny guy. I can eat whatever I want, right? Well, that's a temptation because you think you, are, you can do that and not get into trouble. But guess what? You do get into trouble ultimately. A year ago, I had a physical. And uh, so here it is, a couple years ago, actually. And uh, I was getting ready to turn 60. And the doctor says, we've got a problem. There's your cholesterol, 205, elevated cholesterol. Good cholesterol, too low. You know, and she says, what do you eat? And I just told her, and she says, well, you, she said, you're digging your grave with your ice cream spoon, Dan. You're going to have to cut back. You know, and I thought, wow, here I am, a skinny guy, and I got a cholesterol issue. How in the world did that happen? Why did that happen? She goes on to say, you know, here's what you got to do. Exercise four to five times a week. Try flax seeds. Watch your diet for fats. Okay. But she says, also, your blood sugar is high. It's elevated. And so now, also, I want you to watch carbohydrates. So I can't eat fats. I can't eat carbohydrates. So what am I going to eat? I don't know. It's getting pretty slim. What am I supposed to really do? Eat less bread, rice, potatoes, and sweets. Great. Check it again. And then she says, have a nice day. <laughs> Great advice, huh? I'm going to have a nice day. What the heck am I going to do? The reality is that there isn't, uh, there's a lot of confusion on this diet and exercise stuff. A lot of confusion. And we're going to try to cut through some of that. I mean, what do you eat? What do you, how do you exercise? It depends on what your health goals are. But you've got to know your numbers. That's why next week we're going to have some numbers education out in the lobby after church. Some nurses are going to be here. And you can get your blood pressure checked and make sure you are on the right track of knowing your numbers. And as a part of this series called Bod for God, we're simply going to support, encourage, and hold one another accountable. That we would know our numbers and that we would be thinking about how do those numbers, what do they say to, uh, to us about our future? and our health. What can we do about it? Today we want to just finish up in the next few minutes with the idea of we need to dedicate our bodies to God. It's the first step. We need to say, hey, look, we can do something about this. He made us. He owns us. We're going to dedicate our bodies to God. Next week we're going to talk about inspiration because part of the problem with this, if you've ever tried to diet or exercise, is it gets, it, it, it gets difficult, doesn't it? You need inspiration. You need to be, be inspired to take another step. That's next week. Week after that, we're going to get real practical and, and begin to talk about how do you translate those numbers into a plan. And the final week, we're going to talk about having a team. It's so important that you have a team of people around you. You're my team now because if I get up here and preach Bod for God, I better live Bod for God, right? Because that wouldn't be uh, consistent if I didn't. But we're a team to hold one another accountable. We need that kind of input in our lives. So let me just... Let me just run through four reasons why we should dedicate. Four reasons why we should dedicate our lives to God, our bodies to God. First one is our bodies were created by God and for God. Okay, so often we, we believe that our bodies are our own. That's not the case. He created us. He created us uniquely. I love this Psalm verse. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderful made, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. No mass assembly line for God. 
uniquely put together, created in Christ to do the good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. Isn't that cool? Last week, we got to see Tony's grandson. He's a grandpa now for the third time. So it's pretty cool that we get to hold that new life. I just wanted to share with you, because I'm a crazy almost grandpa already, here's the ultrasound. My daughter's pregnant. All right, I'm going to be a grandpa. Isn't that neat? And she's thinking, wow, you know, it's just amazing that God is knitting together a life, and that life means something, and it's special, and it has a purpose. He created it, and he, it's his. And we need to be always aware of the fact that we were created by God for God. Scripture tells us that. It says, uh, Paul writes it again. He says, uh, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. We are not our own. We have been purchased, as we will see. And we need to think about what that means for our bodies. When you see this symbol, what do you guys think of? The Holy Spirit, right? This is a symbol that's often used. The dove and fire, you know, when Jesus is baptized, the Spirit is described as a dove descending on him. And at Pentecost, which we celebrated last week, is all about the fire. And, you know, those are great symbols. When we sang earlier that the Spirit is here now, the evidence is all around. I want you to look at each other. That's where the Holy Spirit resides now. Did you know that? If you look at the person next to you, they're a follower of Christ. They have the very Spirit of God living in them. That's why this body is so important. Number two reason. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing gift that we have. But Paul also writes, he says, look, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives into you, in you and is, was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. He's not renting your body. He bought it, and he lives in it. It's his dwelling. In the Old Testament days, the Spirit of God stayed in a temple, in a building, no longer. And when we assemble together today, the power of the Spirit is felt because within this room, the Spirit is powerful because He is in all of us who call Christ Lord and Savior. So you must, Paul ends up, honor God with your body. Reason number three, we're going to have bodies in eternity. And I just want you to think about that for a minute. Most people think of heaven as this place where spirits float around on clouds. We were not created for that at all. We were created for a body, a physical body that we will spend the rest of our lives for eternity, the rest of time and eternity. We'll spend them in this new body. Look at this passage. It's often uh, used at funerals. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Now, remember this. The resurrection of the dead is when Jesus comes back, we come out of our graves with a new body. That's what Scripture tells us. And that's the body we will have. And we've seen Jesus already do that. He's come out with his, what we call, glorified body. It's perfect body. He says, Paul goes on, he says, what is sown is perishable. What goes into the grave is, is going to decay. 
But what is raised is imperishable. It will last forever. It will be perfect. What's sown in dishonor in our sin, it's raised in glory. It'll be a sinless body. It is sown in weakness because we still have that weakness of sin, but it's going to be raised in power. That's what we get. used to talk to this about our kids, about this with our kids, and they'd say, well, what, how old will I be? And what kind of body will I have? And I said, I don't know, but it's going to be perfect. That's the promise for all of us. It's going to be perfect forever. We won't have to worry about the chocolate cake and ice cream. We get to eat that if it's available. I don't know. It's going to be awesome. But we need to understand that we're created for a body. And this is good practice for us as Christians to know that, that one day we will have a body that's perfect. But now... We say, God, take our bodies and use them. Help us to be the best we can be. This is the picture, you know, we talked about Lazarus a few uh, weeks ago. And uh, this is a picture of somebody coming out of a tomb. And I, uh, out of a tomb, and I want you to remember that picture. Someday, you will run out of the tomb. In a body that's perfect. With no pain. Ever. It'll be wonderful. It'll be awesome. It'll be amazing. Last reason why we should dedicate our bodies to God is what we do with our bodies matter. It matters to God. It matters because he wants us on mission. And as we end today, um, I simply want to say on the back of your Connect card, there's three commitments. I want to consider, I want you to consider making those commitments. Making those commitments because as we start this series We need to say to God, I'm in, I'm serious, I want to do this, I want to give my body to you. I know it matters. First commitment is that we would say to God, okay, I I really want to deliver, I want to deliver my body from temptation. A little saying that we'll use quite a few times before the four weeks is over, if food gets near me, it gets in me. If food gets near me, it gets in me. That's the way food is. That's why there's no ice cream in our freezer often, you know, because if it gets near me, it gets in me. That's temptation. We need to be aware of that. Jesus wrote, he says, watch and pray that you'll not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We have to be aware that the body is weak. So deliver us from temptation. Remove temptation. Run from temptation. Be aware of that. Commitment number two, to discipline your body. You know, discipline is not a very popular topic in today's world. Paul writes it this way. He says, I do not run aimlessly. He talks of it in an athletic metaphor. He says, I I train my body. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body to keep it under control, as we were talking about earlier. We need to learn to keep our bodies under control. And one way we can do that is through spiritual disciplines and physical disciplines. Because we train our body, we say no to those impulses. That's the second commitment. The last is to dedicate your body to God. This is what, this is just dedication is what Paul meant when he wrote in Romans 12.1. He says, brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of what God has done for you. Just say, here, God, this is it, because I know what you've done for me. You've saved me. That they be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he'll find acceptable. Not that we have to prove or perform for him. He's saying the kind that he can use for his mission in the maximum possible way. So would you consider making those three commitments? 
and make it a public. Market it on your Connect card. Let me know that you're ready to go. Pray about that if you're hesitant today. Be a part of this series. D.L. Moody was uh, quoted as saying this. He said, The world is yet to see what the God can do with the man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. To be consecrated means to set aside, to be set aside for a purpose. Let me ask you, are you that man? Are you that woman? Will you, will you give God your whole life today, including your bodies, and say, I'm in for your mission? I pray that you would. I pray that you would, you would say to God, I want to serve you with all that I am, with every heart beat and every breath, so that together we can be on mission as a church to look, live, and love like Jesus so that the whole world would come to know the truth of who Jesus is. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this gift of our bodies. Instruments that you can use, that you want to use for the purpose of sharing your truth to this world. And we pray today that, Father, we would give our lives to you, all of us, all, every part of us, through and through, we would say to you um, that, that we're yours. Take us and use us. Father, let that shape the way we treat our bodies. Help us to understand the role of, of physical discipline because we need to be healthy. We need to be focused. We need to have energy. We need to have the capacity to serve and love and communicate your truth to this world. And Lord, uh, help us to understand that oftentimes when we begin to do that, it also brings great joy because as we grow in our physical abilities, it can, it can change our mental outlook as well. Thank you for this morning and some chance, a chance to t- speak about and talk about your desires for us. And we pray that in this discussion, we would never lose the reality of who we are in Christ, that you love us already just as we are. Help us to experience the reality of that grace now as we receive the body and blood of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.